What is up, ladies and gents? Welcome back to the Outlook Industries podcast. It's your host, Trevor Johnson, back here in Durango, Colorado, to bring you a great episode. Today, I have a local guest that I actually met on a ride called Happy Thursday that we do on Thursdays. We go, we dress up, and just ride around Durango, and it's such a great time. I've been doing it for like four weeks now, and it's just... I've met so many great people and there's so many people in this town that actually stay here after they've graduated college, which I haven't seen the other places I've lived. So it's just like really cool, a cool environment to be a part of. So today I brought in Wilbo Davis. I met him on that ride and we got to talking and he is actually an inventor and has this product that he's been working on. He's a mechanical engineer out of school, but he saw this problem and he's like, yo, it's ugly to have a speaker just like sitting in your room. Why don't we turn your painting into a speaker? So he has this great product that he's going to show to us today and talk, talk a lot about. And I really enjoyed this conversation. I, uh, I ended up getting some drinks with him after the happy Thursday. And, and we were talking about this whole product that he has and he's bringing to market and all of the the contingencies around it. And I was like, yo, man, you totally need to come on my podcast. It would be so cool. And I really want to hear more. So I just got him in here today and we just finished up the podcast. So it is really entertaining. And there's a whole bunch of good information that I didn't know about, like starting a patent and, and like starting a business and creating a product and all the different things that go along with that. And I found that really interesting along with, he is also an endurance athlete. So he does, he just did the Colorado trail like a few weeks back. And that is from Durango, Colorado to Denver through the Rocky mountains. And the record is on that trail is three days, like 23 hours. Like it's close to four days. It's just under, just under four days. Um, and he just finished it in four days and 11 hours and some change, which is insane. He said he slept for like seven hours. So I'll let him talk more about that, but there's some really cool pieces in this podcast and you guys are really going to enjoy it. So, uh, welcome to the Outlook Industries podcast and let's get right into the episode. Today I have a uh, a business owner, an entrepreneur, product developer. You know, he does it all. Will Bodeus, how you doing? Bodavis, that's Bo right. Davis, yeah. How you I'm, doing? I'm doing awesome, man. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me here. Pretty pretty psyched to be doing this. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for taking awesome. some time out of your day to come over here and talk to me. It's awesome. Um, first, let's kind of talk about what your product is and how you started it. Sure. Just go there. Yeah. So I'll start at the beginning and then kind of work through it. So um, basically in the my college basement, my college apartment basement, I uh, kind of invented a technology that, um, well, what I didn't really know what its application was for at the time, but uh, it's called distributed mode loudspeaker technology. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to transform like uh, something into a, into a speaker. And so um, I kind of was thinking about like kind of customer pain points. And I realized that the problem with a lot of speakers is that they, you know, they're big and they're ugly and they take up a lot of space. And so we, we often like neglect speakers from the rooms that we use the most because, yeah. you know, we don't want, like, we don't have to look at it, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, well, what if there was a way to create a speaker, um, that, you know, like was invisible and like kind of hung on your wall. And so that, yeah. that's kind of what I created. And so what I have here and 
I'll show it. Yeah, you might, the, yeah, let's show it. The, the people that are uh, watching this uh, is a speaker picture, basically. Yeah. Um, and so what it is is it, it is a picture frame. It is not a speaker, and that is why it's awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you hang it on your wall, and you look at it, and it looks exactly like a canvas wrapped photograph. And then you start playing music out of it, and it sounds like a, a pretty quality speaker. Yeah. Um, and so you know that's what I've been working on. I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer. Um, in my background, I, I graduated from the University of New Hampshire. Cool. Um, and then yeah, I, I've you know kind of moved on to this, and I've been working on it for um, a year and a half now. Um, and then really focusing on the business yeah. uh, more recently. Uh, when I talked to you before, you were telling a story about how you kind of came across the problem that you needed solving, which is usually what these products lead to, or like where you get the idea is solving a problem, of course. So what was that situation? Right. Yeah. So basically what had happened was I moved into my, uh, my college apartment, like, yeah, I think it was like three years ago now. And, uh, you know, I had this big setup of speakers and, and stands and amplifiers and everything. And so I, I set up this whole system across my apartment into like the kitchen and the living space and everything. Yeah. And my roommate showed up like four hours after I spent like four hours wiring up and they're like, dude, you got to take this down. Like this, <laughs> like, you, like we need to cook somewhere. Like we need to like sit down somewhere. You can't have speakers everywhere. And I was like, what do you mean? Like yeah. I need to like listen to good music. And they're like, no, like get like a, a crappy Bluetooth speaker. And I was like, well, like, no, I don't want to no, do that. No, yeah. So. so you decided that, so you looked around and you're like, what can I turn into a speaker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, that was when I realized the problem. And I, at, the, at the time, I was just annoyed, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then I kind of stumbled onto this technology and started really working with it. And I thought, well, you know, like there might be some potential here. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of when I started moving into the, okay, let's see if we can, like, if this will really work. And there's been a lot of challenges along the way um, just because of the characteristics of um, this specific technology that, that I've been developing and using. Um, and so, but we, we've overcome a lot of them and now we're like we, we've ran a, a, be, a beta test previously and now we're moving into like you know more of the production and pretty soon in a couple weeks here we're going to open it up because uh, we feel confident about yeah our cool. product here <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i uh i've just heard it from the for the first time right before this podcast and it's such a cool technology and i love how it works so i was really happy to have will on here to uh, talk about it we'll talk more about your product here in a moment but i i want to talk a little bit more about you and how you got started like where did you go to college where did you grow up let's actually start there start start at the beginning start at the sense. way way at the beginning <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i grew up in rural wisconsin uh, in a town called hazelhurst um, okay. which doesn't even have a stoplight so it was very wow, yeah. very rural um, and I got into cross-country skiing um, so I was a big cross-country skier and actually uh, got recruited by the University of New Hampshire um, and so I competed division one and cross-country skiing uh, there got a mechanical engineering degree and actually was pretty fortunate to be able to compete in the NCAA championships out there Wow! so yeah so I, I skiing has like been my life and like um, you know, just kind of athletics and, and different like endurance kind of cycling events yeah. that maybe we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that, that's kind of been, you know, what I've, what I was passionate about. And, um, I, I've always, you know, been interested in like entrepreneurship. I think it's right. just like such a cool, like it's, it's just the coolest thing to me to be able to have an idea, um, or a problem and create something yourself and be like, I, I made this, like nobody else does this. And yeah. like, I can take it to market and I can sell. And I thought that was the coolest thing my whole life. And I never really knew what to put that in. Um, so I got a background in mechanical engineering so I could understand, you know, the design behind it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, how to, how to do that part. And then the business piece, I, 
I've been learning as I go along. And I moved out here to Durango like two years ago. Oh, okay. And um, I got accepted into the Escape uh, Accelerator program, yeah. um, which is a, a, a rural accelerator program out of the Southwest. So uh, it's the the four corners kind of area. Um, actually, it's kind of a funny story behind how I got into that. So, I of course I didn't yeah. know about this. I you know created this product and was planning on doing like a Kickstarter and I had all these different plans. And so, I went into the small business development center and they're like, hey, like this program just kicked off called Scape. Like you should definitely like you know see if if you could get into it. And so I was like, okay, like I don't know what this is. So I did some googling. I was like, well, this seems really sick. And and I was like, I showed it to the like director and I was like, hey, do you think I could you know be a part of this? And she's like, well, like there's an application deadline and you already missed the application deadline. And like we have like between 50 to 100 companies that like try to get in. And like these are like serious companies. Like, yeah. You know, some of them have millions of dollars in revenue right now. Wow. Um, yeah. And so I was like, <laughs> she's like, you know what? I really like the product, you know, because uh, I brought it in. And I was, yeah. she's like, I really like the product. And I think, um, you know, they might they might be able to hear you. And so basically um, a week later, she's like, yeah, like you can pitch to the, like this group of, of investors and mentors of the skate program. And uh, if they let you in, like you can do it. And I thought there was no way I was going to get in, you know. So yeah. I basically like stayed up for, you know, like got like, I don't know, you know, very, very little sleep. Couple hours. <laughs> yeah, a couple <laughs> hours of sleep. And I worked on this like pitch presentation to these investors. And yeah. and I was, I remember I was so nervous before, you know, because uh -huh. I was just like panicking. And then I got the presentation and then I like, it was so, I went calm and I showed up to this <laughs> Zoom meeting and there's like, like 50 people. It, it, wow. It, there was what? like all these like old, like people, like sophisticated looking <laughs> investors. And I was there like, <laughs> so I have this like speaker <laughs> and and uh, so I get the presentation and they let me in as, so they only take six companies and they added our company, Spoke wow. Sound, in as a, as a seventh company, which I think yeah. is the first time in the history of the program, um, which which was really awesome. And, you know, I've been like yeah. basically mentored from them. And then I, I recently on Monday, what is today? Is today Tuesday? Today's Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. So yesterday, <laughs> so yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I gave a, a like my final pitch um, to like kind of look for investment and stuff like that. And so that's going to be all featured at... Uh, uh, the startup showcase, uh, which is yeah. on September 23rd. So there's a bunch of, I think there's 10 different companies because they have companies from previous rounds that are that are um, presenting and kind of showing their idea and um, just looking for investment as well. And they invite kind of anybody to go check that out. So that's on the yeah. 23rd. Okay, you can sign sweet. up on the Scape uh, website. So S-C-A-P-E. Uh, I think it's scape.com or yeah. escape, something like that. But yeah, you can see like sign up for the showcase. So if, if anyone if anyone out there is, is interested in that, that's a cool Yeah, cool that's so happening. cool. Yeah. So, so is that... What does Scape do, actually? Like, how, right. Do you know the history behind like what Scape does? I don't know the history, but I know that they've been a very successful accelerator program. So maybe I'll stop, step back a little bit and talk yeah, about like what, what is, an accelerator yeah. program is. And so there, there's all sorts of different accelerator programs like around the, the U.S. And basically kind of what it is, is a bunch of people with money get together and are like, hey, like I want to, I want to, you know, help either develop businesses in this area, which is part of Scape's focus yeah. and then a part of it's like i want to make more money and so they created an accelerator program where they set these companies up for success and then if they you know they'll invest in them because they know that they have that background yeah. they know they have you know everything they need to invest in them basically and so the escape one was six months and they you know teach you everything from different marketing strategies to like how to set up like a, a corporation properly how to um you know do all these different uh legal and other things that like you know most people like 
myself just wouldn't know how to do. So, yeah. so that's their kind of focus. And, and this accelerator is unique because, you know, it's trying to bring, you know, money into rural Colorado. Um, it's trying to bring, you know, business into here and as well as, you know, people invest and, and, you know, they, they want to make money off, off of their investments. And so they've had some really successful companies come out of here. Um, like Muni Revs. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Probably not. Okay. Um, yeah. but they just sold for a, a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and so these investors wow. got a really good return on their investment. So they yeah. got bought out. Uh, another company, the Durango rocket ship company okay. came through the skate program. Um, right now we have some pretty sweet, we have a, a cannabis fintech banking, um, service that's right in there oh, with cool. me, like a rerouted, which is a used outdoor gear exchange company. So they're, they're pretty wow. sweet. And there's a bunch of different, like, you know, companies in it this year and they do any, they don't focus on speakers. They don't focus on anything like that. Any sort of company, um, they'll help you mentor and, and kind of grow the product and grow, you know, the following and do all that stuff. So, yeah. So how, what are the terms on like investment? Is it like a stake in the company or how do they go about it? Or is it just different for every investor? It, it's kind of different for every person. So there's a couple different options that you can do. So yeah, one is like you get a stake in the company. Yeah. Um, another one is you, you can do like revenue sharing. So, uh, that's what, um, you know, there's been other companies that have gone through that, that, you know, revenue sharing makes a little more sense because uh, basically the way, and I didn't realize this, the way that investment works is investors really only get paid back when either your company gets bought out or your company goes public. So if you, oh, if your okay. company gets bought, then they get their money. But until that your company gets bought, they don't get anything right. except for like very small dividends, um, which you don't pay until you're profitable. So you don't pay for a while. Basically. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So, the, so the investors, they don't make a lot of money until you sell your company. And if you, you know, if you're successful and you sell your company for, you know, like 20 times where they bought in, they get a huge return on their investment. And it's yeah. not uncommon for a successful company. I mean, you know, to do between, yeah, 10 and, and 40 X of what they put in. So that, that's yeah. a good investment for these, these, um, people as well it's it's a future investment right right down the line whenever because especially with tech stuff stuff moves so quick right so it may be close like investing in tech may give you more of a return quicker because the technology will be bought out recircle recirculated and then improved on quicker right exactly yeah and, and and they love i mean you know these people they have all different backgrounds and you know there's good and bad things about getting investors into your company is one like they have find like they have money in the company yeah and so they are you know they're on you they're like all yeah. right you should be doing this like you need to be doing this and they have a whole bunch of different ideas and you know things in different ways that you can go so there's good and bad things to having investors yeah um, the one is you can raise the capital and i think that that's like a big you know big plus but yeah are they gonna push you to sell your company then I, I see. I'm, I'm assuming kind of yes. Um, uh -huh. at some point down the road now, now they, they want to sell it when it makes sense, right? They want right. to sell it when, when they think that they can get the highest value from it. Cause if yeah. they're, you know, they're they're sitting on your company and you're, you're doing well, let's say you're doing like 2 million in revenue. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll, and they think you're going to do better. They don't want you to sell it cause they, they think you're going to do better, but they're like, all right, well, this is like, this is where like, this is a good point to sell your company. Then they would probably suggest that. But you, I mean, as long as you own majority stakeholder, it doesn't really matter what they say like you're right. in charge you yeah know? exactly like they put the money in already like you're the boss and you can tell them what to do <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's know? as long as you don't give up more than like 49 percent or right. whatever it is exactly yeah. so yeah. yeah that's awesome how did you go about getting like a patent and patenting things right so the patenting process is is 
unique. And actually, the the technology here is um, it's a, a previous a license from like a, a previous company that we're operating under. So oh, okay. so there is a company called Soundwall. They're um, out of Boulder, Colorado. They they made these similar speakers, but they were selling them for like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a speaker, wow. um, which is you know way way higher than we were selling them. And so they they tried this technology. They raised a lot of money in funding, and then they kind of um, you know fizzled out and they, yeah. they their investors took a loss and they decided not to keep going with it and so they licensed the technology to us so we have an exclusive license so we're the only people that can make it um, and then cool. we've expanded on that technology as well yeah and, to, and we have some things that we're kind of keeping trade secrets right now right um, that we haven't patented because if you've looked into patenting patents cost um, between you know 10 and uh, twenty thousand dollars. Wow, like they're yeah. expensive, and it's a and, process, isn't it? And, and it is. It's a. It's a really long process, um, and it requires a lot of lawyers and a lot of legal fees. And so there's a lot that goes into it. And so what what they say, and this is what I, I actually talked to like a patent expert. And so if there's anyone out here interested in like patents and stuff like that, and they're thinking about going that route. Patents shouldn't be your first step. Patents right. are something that you you go after once you're you're really confident about something. There's something called a provisional patent. I don't know if you've never heard of it. Yeah. No. So a provisional patent, basically, what it does is it if you you can submit it yourself, you write the code, you describe your in, invention, you know, yeah. describe what you have just in writing, and you submit it. And what it does is it stamps, it puts a stamp on that. And so you when you send it in that that date, then then um. The, basically your idea is like, I had this idea at this point. And so when you go back to patent that up to a year later, um, then, and somebody else, like, let's say they submitted a pap- patent application after you're like, no, like I had this first, like I get this patent. So that's the, if, if oh, anyone out, okay. if that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. If anyone out there is, is looking at patenting, do that first. Don't spend all your money on a lawyer. It's, it's dibs on a patent, <laughs> right? It's dibs on a patent. And if, and if you think something, you really have something worth patenting, then, then do that. And then, you know, make sure you have all your ducks in a line. Does that have cost the money? Uh, I think it's like a couple hundred bucks made oh, at the okay. most. At yeah. the most is a couple hundred bucks. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not cheap, but it's way cheaper than getting a patent. But and, um, so say somebody's trying to patent that technology and you have that provisional patent, mm-hmm. how do, do they like call you or does somebody call you and tell you that they're trying to get a patent? Nope. Nobody actually knows. Um, so nobody knows that you have that, uh, provisional patent until you go to file your second patent. So like, okay, so let's say that that I file a provisional patent and then two weeks later you come in and you file a, a like a patent application. So there's yeah. a difference between the two. You right. file a patent application. Um, so then you, you know, would go through the process and they would get back to you in like a year. Well, yeah. if I, if I go in like six months later and say, okay, I want to file a patent application now, um, the patent attorneys would see both of our applications. I say, well, this guy had it first. So yours is, is, you know, thrown yeah, out. Voice. And so then basically what happens is you just wasted a bunch of money on this right, patent. On a patent um, that I can't have. Right, exactly. And, and, and getting a patent is one of those things where a patent is only, it's only the right to defend it. That's the only right of a patent. So it doesn't mean right. that you can make something. And this is another thing that I learned is like, it doesn't, it doesn't entitle you to making something. So like, let's say that, that I create a part on a, uh, I don't know, a Ferrari. Like right. I created yeah. you a, a, you know, part of a Ferrari. It doesn't give me the right to make the Ferrari. It only gives me the right to make that part. Okay. And so like, if, if you use, a, if you patent something that other people already have are using, it doesn't give you the right to do that. You may be infringing on somebody else's technology, but you have the right to make your part. So 
It's, Interesting. It's not as good of a deal as many people think. Yeah. Um, that being said, if you're looking at like for investor point of view, they want you to be have something that you can protect, right? So they yeah. want you to have like what they call a um, intellectual property moat, yep. basically of like, okay, well, if you you know you try to do this, we have the right to sue you. But somebody like you can go infringe on my technology all day long, and if I don't have you know twenty to a hundred thousand dollars to sue you worth, it doesn't mean a thing. You exactly. Know? So that that's the interesting thing about patents is. So it's whoever gets to the point where they can start suing everybody. Right. That's when they matter, which is, which is really interesting, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that like in an early stage company, um, you, you should be looking more into provisional patents. Say we have technology that we can patent. We need funding. You know, you want to spend it. other people's money on that patent, right? right? Exactly. Unless you have, you're independently wealthy and have, you know, a bunch of money to spend. But yeah. What kind of when making your product, how, what kind of roadblocks? Did you run into oh, man. the biggest ones? <laughs> so many. So there's been, you know, a ton of different. I mean, I've never like developed a product before. Like right. I'm an engineer, but like yeah. this is all new to me. And uh, I was doing a lot of electronics work and stuff like that. And so the, probably the, the first big roadblock that I have, and this is where we have some of those trade secrets, is the distributed mode loudspeakers. When you hang them up against the wall, they have this in interesting principle where the sound waves bounce back and then they reflect. And so they basically cancel a lot of the bass. Oh, yeah. And they also... So we'll create like off frequencies. So you'll get like, you know, something that will sound like, like a, like a, I don't know, some noise that will sound off. And so they don't sound right. So you get cancellation of some frequencies and you'll get amplification of others. And it doesn't, yeah. it sounds like kind of like a tin can, like you're, acoustic, you're you, you acoustic your, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like you taped your phone to the wall. Like that's, that's kind of what it sounds like. Right. And so overcoming some of those challenges, w w that took a long time to figure yeah. that out. And, and cause I mean, that's, and that's the, part of the reason I think why, you know, these speakers haven't been seen in this application before is because people haven't figured that out. They throw them up against the wall and they're like, well, this, this sounds like crap. Cause it bounce back and then vibrate up the wall. Right. And then you right. get a lot of, yeah, right. not, not feedback, but yeah, kind of um, what reverberation. Is what is it called? <laughs> um, yeah. Competing, competing frequencies, something like that. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> uh, gosh, I, I, I should know this. Uh, <laughs> when they when the two audio frequencies go over the same spot and cancel each other out instead of i mean it's called like peaks and nodes if you do like there we go yeah that's what i'm talking about and okay. i think i'm talking about either magnet or something i took some engineering classes a couple years ago <laughs> like i remember this stuff but right no. right yeah so how was going to school in uh new hampshire uh, it was good. Yeah. I, um, I've been big, like I, I didn't know it cause I grew up in Wisconsin, but I really love to surf. Oh, um, and so cool. you can surf out there. So yeah. I have, you know, a thick wetsuit and it, it was awesome. And you're like, wait, you moved to Colorado where you can't surf. Yeah. Like, well, you're wrong. There's a river wave, uh, downtown there oh, that really? I actually surf on and I'll, I'll go all the time when the river's good. So that's, that's like, awesome. that's my little like surfing escape here. That's is, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Cause like, how do you end up in Durango? That's really my question for you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, actually, my parents moved out here like four years ago, and I never really spent any time. And I was like, this place is sick because, you know, I was always training for skiing. So I'd spend like a couple weekends over the summer or like, you know, maybe a couple weeks. And um, but I never really got spending time. And I knew this place is awesome. I yeah. Mean, there's so many cool. Yeah, everything is like super cool. The mountains are amazing. And this is yeah. like one of those places where not a lot of people go. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was just drawn to it and I wanted to spend more time here and I came to Durango, you know, expecting to be here for, you know, like maybe a year. And I got into this accelerator program and, and I was like, well, I'm staying a little longer. And, yeah. you know, and I just, you know, obviously like everyone else here has fallen in love with like yeah. just this place. Cause I'm a huge, like, um, yeah, mountain biker and, and, uh, 
hiking and yeah i think this like is an that. appropriate time to talk about your uh, colorado <laughs> yeah. trail race right right that's so sick yeah you took second place right yeah i got second that's place. crazy yeah so you want me to give some background yeah go it? for it all yeah. right it sounds, i feel like i'm just talking the whole time so you can no that's that's kind of the point no <laughs> i guess honestly. that is a podcast yeah so. yeah okay well, so the Colorado Trail Race is a 542-mile uh, mountain bike race. Right. So the Colorado Trail spans from Durango to Denver, and uh, it's mostly single track. So if you've ever done any biking, it's not like you're on a gravel road or a paved road. It's like you're winding through the trees. Yeah. Um, you have to hike a bike about uh, 10% of the race, so which means you have to push your bike for like 36 miles. Um, which is a lot, really? <laughs> yeah. Which is a lot of pushing your bike. Um, wow. And so basically, what the Colorado Trail race is is just a bunch of like, I think it was like seventy-five people, just crazy people that decide that they need to push themselves to the, yeah. the absolute limit. And and it's one of these things where you have to carry all of your everything on your bike, and there's no support allowed, and you're like no yeah. requirement to stop. Um, wow. Yeah. Are you gonna say something? <laughs> yeah. It's like. I've heard a lot about people either trail running the Colorado Trail or biking it. And it just like, how long did you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that that's that's the kind of the crazy thing. And I didn't think this was possible because I was looking at the previous people, like the, the people have you know set the records yeah. and done stuff. And I was like, there's no way you can sleep that little. Like that's not physically possible and like bike yeah. that much. But and so I started and the first hour I was like, all right, well, I'm going to sleep like like three hours the first night, which is like, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah. But I slept three hours. And, I, and at that point I was in second place, um, okay. which I was like, had thought I had no business doing, you know? Was, yeah. But basically what happened is it started like this huge, like rainstorm came over everybody. And, uh, I hit it out in a porta potty. And so I missed the whole rainstorm and I just took a little nap, you know, yeah. in the porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And everyone else was caught in this. And so they got all freezing cold. And so they all stopped in this town called Silverton. Yeah. Um, so they stopped there and except for one other guy. And so then I just like, well, I'm, I'm warm. Like I, I'm fine. So I kept going through the town and um, I ended up in second place. And so, yeah, I slept three hours the next day. I woke up and, you know, kept going and, and uh, was kind of still around second place. I was competing with a couple guys. Yeah. Uh, then the next day I slept two hours and the day after that i slept one hour and then the last night i didn't really sleep oh my god yeah. and so, so it was it was crazy so i, I got it, it took me four and a half days to do it just under four and a half days so um, so it was like four days 11 hours or something yeah right yeah that's so crazy <laughs> yeah. so you slept a total of what like six seven hours yeah something like that yeah seven i think one night sleep over four <laughs> days while yeah. exerting yourself as much as possible right what was your head doing dude it was nuts man by the by the end and I, I i feel like i'm making this stuff up but i was like having legitimate like hallucinations yeah like, like legitimately like i watched myself like bike down the trail like from behind myself wow it was nuts and because yeah. you know you, you my brain was just the point where like i didn't know like if i was dreaming or like awake basically yeah and, and one time this is like still like one of the craziest things i was I like wasn't like I was biking down this road and I was like talking to this like late this Spanish speaking lady and we were supposed to inspect the road what? like I was awake and I was like having yeah. this dream of of like inspecting the road with this like Spanish speaking lady and I couldn't understand her and I was oh so frustrated God. and it was light out too like it was like no six in the morning way. and I was just like my brain was just thinking it was it was dreaming at the same time and like I fell asleep on my bike several times yeah um, and I got to the point where I like I had like 
like a cut on my mouth and uh, I had some salt and vinegar chips. And so the only way I was staying awake was just like eating these salt and vinegar chips as it, like, it, burned, as it burned my mouth because I was like, <laughs> I needed to finish. And I got to, I was like, I, I like forgot what I was doing, but I knew that I needed to get to Denver and I didn't know why. Yeah. I, and it was just like, and that was the last day where everything just like my brain just was like fell apart and I would, I would start to get like super paranoid about yeah. things. Like it was nuts, man. <laughs> Were you worried about like getting hurt? Uh, you know, I probably should have been more. <laughs> um, I, like I said, at the end there, it was just kind of this like determination to get to Denver yeah. and like not really understanding why I was just right. like, I knew I needed to get there. And so everything just kind of was like second tuned to that. And I don't know why, like that's where my body ended and my brain ended up, but like, I wasn't that worried about it. I was, you know, trying to be as careful as, as I could, but, yeah. um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> what's the, what's the trail like? Is it gnarly or is it just kind of chill or like it's it's gnarly to give you an example of the 75 people that started the race this year less than half finished wow yeah so it, it's like it's very challenging for for a lot of people and now just i to get it done yeah. right just to just to finish it um and it's just rocky rudy you know like your bike has problems with it because just you know yeah. your bike starts to break like i broke my derailleur at the end and i had to wow. you know try to fix that and kind of yeah. limp in and it, there's just a lot of like things that can go wrong on it and so if you've never if you're from durango and you never checked out the colorado trail go run up to like or walk up to goodies yeah. and that's a pretty good representation of what the trail's like wow that's crazy yeah <laughs> it was it was your first time doing it uh, I had done it the year before just as a ride. So I just kind of chilled with my brother um, and we, you know, just rode it. So that was definitely helped out. Like I knew what the trail, I knew kind of what I was getting into. Yeah. And it was just a question of like, well, how hard could I, you know, push myself basically. So when did you decide to do it? Well, <laughs> yeah. So this is not the recommended training route, but I, yeah. I, like a month before is when I was like, all right, I'm going to do the Colorado trail race. And then like two weeks before is like when I started training and wow. then like the night before is when I put everything together. Cause I, you know, I've been working on this business, like, you know, 12 to plus hours a day. Yeah. And so I haven't had a lot of time to, you know, spend training and yeah. preparing for this. I mean, like most of the guys that I was surrounded with, um, are sponsored athletes. Right. Like this is what they, they are psych, they are competitive cyclists, endurance yeah, cyclists. They, like, that's they all are they do. crazy cyclist right, people. Right. They're crazy. <laughs> like that's what they do. And that's all they do. And I was just, I was out there and everyone, I'm sure everyone was like, who is this kid? Like <laughs> yeah. he has no business being here, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, but I, I was able to finish. And I think, you know, I would say probably 50% of that comes down to luck that something didn't go wrong with my bike or, you know, my health or an injury or anything like that. And well, you found that porter potty. <laughs> yeah. And I found that porter potty. <laughs> you know save me at the beginning there that's so. that's awesome do you think you're gonna do it again see that's the question i i've thought about it man i've yeah. thought about it. it it really depends on you know where where yeah spoke sound takes me right um i you know, the thing, the problem with doing those races, you get done, you're like, oh, I could have, I could have like done these things and I could have done it faster, right. you know? Yeah. And so that, there's always that. And if I did it again, I'd, I'd probably go for the record. Um, oh, and, I, okay. and I wasn't that far off. Of what it. is the record? It's just under four days. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like four days and 20 something hours. Um, or three days, sorry, three days and 20 something so, hours. So what do you think? And you're like, I could sleep less than the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you think about it, if you, if you sleep less, then you can bike more and then you finish sooner. So you can yeah. sleep more. <laughs> yeah. So there's kind of that balance, right. you know, 
Because I mean, basically, if you were to finish, if you were to finish it in like just under four days, you wouldn't, you'd miss that last night of like you wouldn't have to go through that last night, which right. I had to go through, which was where like it all kind of fell apart on me, you know? Yeah, because you're riding in the dark, right? And your brain is just it just scrambled eggs, yeah, yeah, basically. And so that's kind of my thought is like, well, if you sleep less in the beginning, let's you sleep an hour every night, something like that. Yeah, you know, maybe you know, maybe that would be more of a better strategy. But it's 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 scary to do that. I mean, it's dangerous dangerous to get you know yeah. get hurt like like you push yourself to the absolute max and when you're that tired biking down some of that challenging terrain it can be dangerous you know yeah oh for sure what did the guy with the record do do you know N- well the guy yeah actually i do and this is an interesting story so the guy that holds the current record from durango to denver his name is jesse jacormick jesse something i don't know yeah um but he was on lsd the whole time wow yep so he took uh, I mean, this is this is all rumored, but I, I've have it on pretty good authority <laughs> yeah. that this that like this is what everybody basically says. They're like, yeah. yeah, he he was microdosing on LSD, so he didn't have to sleep. So he slept one hour and then just basically was just high the entire time and. Oh. didn't sleep <laughs> so he just put himself in that dream state immediately yeah. and yeah. he was like let's go and so he he just did that and i i mean i don't know how you do that i don't know how you, you... i don't know how you ride a bike for right that long on acid right <laughs> i know that's crazy yeah so he, he was just microdosing and i guess that worked out for him that's but crazy. yeah I, like i can't imagine like wow. what the experiences that guy must have had you know yeah like tripping on the, acid and yeah he's... and your brain's going to scramble eggs at the same time <laughs> yeah so it's interesting so that that's the guy who holds the record have you done any other endurance bike things i have actually and this is um i did what's called the tour divide race have you heard of it i've not okay well it's a 2700 mile bike race wow um, from canada to mexico and i did that one when i was 17 it's also mountain bike um as 17 years old which is pretty young yeah and i set the record for the youngest person to ever do it and wow. finished ninth so that was my no that way was my old, so this is my third bike race i've ever done so yeah trail. so the colorado trail is <laughs> like a piece of cake if you wow. from canada to mexico yeah something <laughs> like that so what, what time of year was it uh, so it started June 13th and it took me 17 days, 10 hours and 11 minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so that was, that was something. 17 days Yeah. to go all the way. Yeah. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time, but it feels like it should take longer. Right. Well, and, and, uh, it's mountain bike too. So it's not Where's a road the bike. Route? Um, it basically follows the continental divide. So oh, it's okay. got over 200,000 feet of elevation gain, which is like climbing Mount Everest, like 20 something times. Yeah. <laughs> There's tons of elevation. Yeah. yeah. Not so, so does it kind of like go downhill or follow a river or something or? No, it like basically crosses. So the color, the continental divide is the mountain range that separates the watershed. So all yeah. the rain that flows yep. to the east, you know, whatever. And so it just like zigzags up and over those mountains the whole way. And it just follows gravel roads basically the whole way. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's another, you know, crazy one. So did you go through Arizona? No, you do, um, Idaho, Mon- well, Montana, Idaho, uh, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. So that those are the, that's the route, and then you finish right on the border of Mexico, and you start in Banff, Canada. So you oh, have right. another 250 miles or so before you get to the U.S. Wow. Um, cool. Yeah. Um, nuts. <laughs> that is insane. So what did you do with skiing and stuff then? Yeah. So cross country skiing. Um, I, it's just been something I've been doing my whole life, really. Yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, just 
I, it's just, I, I like the endurance sports. That, that's something right. kind of where I shine because I think it's something where, you know, it's a lot more like in your it's head. Meant, yeah, yeah. You're, you're battling this. Right. You're not battling this. Right. And it, that's something that I feel like I have a little more control over yeah. than, you know, some of these other like sprinting and stuff like that, which I, it's just a lot of it is just different. Training. It's different kind of training, you know? Yeah. It's all, it's all different. And that, but that's just kind of where I've done better. What do you, what headspace do you put yourself in when you're doing these endurance things? That's a good question. You know, I don't know. I think that you, you try to not focus. I, I think the best way that I've ever found, like when you do these long endurance races, is if you look at how far you have to go, that's that's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. You have to break things down and really take things like one step at a time. And so, you know, it's like you take take even like mile at a time, like pedal at a time, whatever you have to do. Say, all right, I only got to worry about making it right here. And I think yeah. when you start asking yourself that question of not like, okay, can I do this? But like, can I take the next step? It's like when, next tree, next right. tree, next exactly, turn. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. When you break things down like that, I think you're able to accomplish so much more. It's like, all right, well, you look at something like, yeah, like doing the Colorado Trail, you're like, there's no way I can do that. But then you're like, all right, well, all I have to do is not sleep for 15 more minutes. And yeah. then you get to 15 more minutes, like all you have to do is not sleep for 15 more minutes. And you just right. keep doing that to yourself. And eventually, you know, you end up getting it done. Do you ever like end up arguing with yourself in your head about like <laughs> if you should stop and stuff? Yeah, all the time. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, you there's a lot of times where you get where you're like, I, I don't want to be doing this. I'm like, this is horrible. Like, I don't want to yeah. be doing it. And and I don't know what it is that like, that keeps me going. I don't know right. why, like I've, I'm able to just keep going. I think honestly, it's probably just breaking it down. Yeah. It's just by saying, okay, well, like this is horrible. This is the worst thing ever. But like, can I do 15, like physically and mentally, can I do 15 more minutes? And I'll yeah. say, well, I'll tell myself, yeah, yeah, I can. And eventually you get to the point where you surpass that, you know, whatever obstacle you're at and then yeah. you keep going. And so that that's kind of, I think what my strategy is, is just like, well, this sucks. I want to quit. I'm going to do 15 more minutes or five more minutes or whatever you have to break the, it down The to. interval is, do you right. do a lot of meditation and yoga and stuff? like that <laughs> you know you think i would I, <laughs> yeah. I i actually don't and i've i've been wanting to i think mindfulness is super important yeah I, i'm like you have all like this <laughs> this wisdom and like controlling your mind right. i think that you'd be like a master of meditation so. I, I don't know that, like i i feel like i do it when i work out right and i think like for me like when i run like my brain turns off and i just like am focusing like i'll like like i'll I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. like it, I just kind of enter into this different state where I'll like work on problems. Like a lot of times I'll go for a run and I'll figure out like the answer to the problem that I've been having. And when I come back from it, which is oh, like my nice. brain just kind of like works on in the background. So I don't, I don't do practice mindfulness. I, I do think it's important, Yeah. but I, I, I don't know. I think athletics and like exercise is, is really important to me. And that's my route of it. Sweet. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? In 10 years, man, that's a hard question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I, I really, I'm not a very good, like, like I, I like to take things as they come, you yeah. know? And I think that that's been a, a, a good, you know, skill with this pandemic happening. Yeah, you have to, you right. have to. Right, you know, and that's that's something that everybody, you know, it's like you have to, like right now for us, like we're, yeah. we're the kids getting screwed over the most, you know? Yeah, exactly. Is, is all the changes happening to us. Whereas like if you're 50 years old and you, you're, you know, working. You already have your yeah, wealth your retirement like, or Everything's kind of fine, but all, like everything has been changing. And so I was actually supposed to um, uh, get a, a P, like a couple, well, 
start of the pandemic, I was supposed to be getting a, a PhD and right, uh, yeah. yeah, in Australia. And so, That's so sick. yeah, <laughs> so I, I was, that was my like kind of plan. Like I had this, I had been working on this, you know, speaker idea for a while and I wasn't really sure if it was going to go anywhere. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get accepted into this program and blah, blah, blah. So I, I was, it was kind of one of those things like I wanted to make happen, but I didn't really have that. You were like kick. caught in a limbo right. between the two. You're like, should I do this? Oh, but if I get accepted to go to this program, mm -hmm. then I'm going to go to Australia. Right. Right. So you couldn't really commit to the speaker thing. Right. Exactly. And that was, that was the case. And so, and then I got accepted and they offered me a full scholarship and everything. Wow. Yeah. Nice. And so I was going to do, you know, research on, um, uh, like artificial intelligence and yeah. for the environment, like that was what I was going to do. And, and I had it all set up and then, um, the years gone by and, and I would not have been able to get into the country. And so they, they've been really locked down for COVID and, so then it, but it's great. Honestly, I think it's a really like, it's really the kick I needed to say, okay, like you need to take this seriously. And, yeah. um, and so then I, then I did and I, you know, completely different life trajectory yeah. switch right there. So did they defer the your thing or is it just like, um, so they, no more. yeah. So, I mean, it's still like, I could go if I wanted to, I still have the opportunity to do that. But now that I've put so much time and I, I really believe in this like product that I have, I'm I'm not really as interested right now. Right. You know, maybe like, yeah, like five years down the road, if like you know this company sells or something yeah. like that, um, then I would consider maybe going. Um, is that is that a PhD program? PhD. Yeah. Okay. Do you have your master's? I don't. No. Okay. So it was a it was a fast track PhD program that they okay, were offering. Okay. Cool. Yeah, How long like would that one. take? Uh, for me, I was hoping to get it done in four years. Um, okay. So it, it's a it's a long haul. That's a, yeah. It's um, commitment. Yeah. So, and, and I was interested in, I mean, it's got some really like, I think artificial intelligence is just like super interesting yeah. and super scary, you know, at Very, the same time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like controlling this new technology that like Stephen Hawking said that right. it's going to end the world or whatever. So right. you're like, what am I doing? Right. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of why I was like, I want to be a part of this yeah. so that I can say like, if I implement it, like, you know, I want to do it the right way. And so right. if you've listened to like Elon Musk or any of the like visionaries yeah, Elon out there, hates artificial intelligence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, that's because I, I mean, I totally believe with him. It's like, you know, if you think about evolution, we're just creating a different, you know, we're creating a different evolution. It's just yeah. not our species that are going to live on. Like we're right. creating computers that are going to evolve faster than us and, and take over. And I know that that sounds, that sounds crazy, but dude, it, I think it's like, I think but it's once real. it happens, it would happen. Yeah. It yeah. would like, there'd be like a, there'd be a switch, there'd be a turn. And then all of a sudden, like everything would be run by computers and AI. C yeah, kind of. Or like, that's like what they're saying. Yeah. Like, that's what well, Elon and stuff. There's like that one contingency where like, I forget what it, what it is, but there's something that is wrong with AI that you like can't imitate that keeps them from like taking over or whatever. I don't you know what I'm talking about. No, like I mean, there's some AI that can like have the ability to write code. Yeah. Um, I think that the the motive is the thing that they're struggling with, kind of. Yeah. Is like a AI doesn't have a motive to to continue to improve right, itself. Yeah. Like it, it has no, you know, yet at least to my knowledge, and this this could change. But I, I think that where I, people think like AI is going to come over and they're going to like you know arm the like Terminator type stuff. I don't think that's yeah. what's going to happen. No. It's, it's going to be like like artificial intelligence just created you this purpose and it does this purpose very well and uh -huh. humans are interfering with the thing that it wants to do um that we designed it to do and so instead of it like attacking us like you would think it'd be it's like you know it's like 
if we build a house and there's an anthill there, like we're not going to stop our house and, you know, build the ha- house around the anthill. We're just going to like smush the anthill, yeah. you know, and not, not care about it. Artificial intelligence has the opportunity to do to that, do that. with us. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> this is our goal. We don't really care. Right. Yeah. And, and they'll probably do some, some like new way of killing, you know, or doing whatever to people that has never even been thought of. So, you know what I did here? Um, I was listening to, I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast, but they were talking about how like technology is taking over our jobs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in the way that, yeah, technology is taking over your jobs, but technology doesn't need to be paid. Right. So like there's still that money. It's just, we're going to end up circulating it a different way. Yeah. Right. The The thing is, is like, it starts to, does that add to the, you know, the wealth gap? Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the real question, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't have the answer for that. I'm not, I'm not an yeah. economist. <laughs> that, yeah. That's for sure, you know? And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think Elon Musk definitely thinks that some sort of like universal basic income is going to be the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the question is, you know, when you, you don't have a job anymore, you know, what, what's your purpose? You know, how do you find meaning in life when, when you, nobody, like very few people have, have actual jobs or have power of any sort, really. Right. Or, and you're just getting money from the government. I mean, what does that look like? That, that's another like scary future that that's going to come up as well. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Sweet. Well, uh, I think we, we've talked enough. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, Will, for, for uh, yeah. coming. Um, I have one more question that I t- ask everybody before we leave. Yeah. And what is your meaning of life? Ooh, what is my meaning? I think that for me, um, doing something important is the most important thing well, in, in my life, yeah. you know, is, is to, is to look back. And I mean, I, I don't think that like having fun has never been like a big consideration of mine of like whether yeah. or not I was having fun. It, it's more of doing something important and doing something meaningful. And I don't know where that comes from, but it, it's yeah. always been something that's been important to me. And so, um, you know, I think that I look at like this company as, as a avenue to get to the place where I can do something important and something impactful. So. Yeah. Cause it, it's comes along that line of, it's like it's more fun and more fulfilling to like give than it is to receive. Exactly. So it's like if you give a product to the market that is really helping people, right. it's going to be way more fulfilling and make you happier. Right. So I totally understand that. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you again for uh, coming over and uh, taking some time to sit down with me. Thank you guys all for listening. And uh, I hope you have a great rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. And I will see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Sweet, dude. Well, that was fun.